Bull releases Moana Mataeli. Slips away from Evans, got too close to that. Oh, But you'll still be stressing because of the Warriors, eh? I want to start by saying a warm hello to all our listeners out there, and thanks for joining us for our third episode of the Counter-Ruck podcast. So we've had some positive feedback in regards to our Super Rugby Aotearoa review show that we did last week. So we thought we'd make the review a weekly podcast for the duration of the new uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa competition. However, just to keep things a bit more interesting and keep it a bit fresh, we've mixed up the panel this week. So let me introduce our guests today. So firstly, we have all the way from uh, Wellington, uh, former Ponsonby loose forward, Danny. Dan, thanks for coming on. My little peoples. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, secondly, we have uh, from West Auckland, uh, Wider Matter Rugby Stalwarts. Roger. Rog, thanks for coming on again. Thanks for the delayed reaction there, Roger. Um, last oh, but not least, was delayed. we have our sorry, special sorry. guests uh, with Blues and Manu Samoa Hawker, Ray Newia, joining the show. So, Ray, thanks for coming on. Oops. No worries. It's up to Oh, nice, nice. So, um, yeah, just for our regular listeners to the uh, back of the 135 podcast, uh, we'll be familiar with your story, Ray, so I'll just uh, try and get an update from you, brother. Um, how's the um, how's your injury and your, your rehab and all that stuff going? Um, I'm probably sick of it now that people are asking about it, but uh, same story. Is, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's going all right. I managed to sneak in to get it off before lockdown. Um, so all lockdown, I was pretty much in crutches and, um, uh, my wife doing my fair hours, which was awesome. And, um, oh. uh, I guess the lockdown sort of helped with not, uh, no super rugby played, um, good and bad, but, um, I'm just happy to get it done before lockdown because it would have been niggly, um, going into lockdown with no op and then just having to delay it. So, nah, it's going alright, eh? Just trying to take it slow, take my time with it. Oh, me. Hey, Ray, hey, Ray, can you, can you tell us uh, what actually happened? Uh, what, what, what's, what was the injury? Uh, I did my... I know it was your knee. Yeah, ACL and meniscus. I got wee, cleaned out uh, from one of the boys. <laughs> uh, he <laughs> come to clean out the ruck and happened to catch my, my knee. And yeah, that was the end of um, the season, really, yeah. Was it for... One of your own boys, Ray, from your team? Or? Yeah, yeah, it was one of my own boys. He was pretty gutted when he found out, but I wasn't too, like, angry at him or anything, but it's just the way it goes sometimes, eh? Because <laughs> I think if he didn't take you out, I think what, one of the Chiefs would have done it. trying to get some time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, was, um, it was one of those guys. I can't remember his name. I'm going to expose him. <laughs> <laughs> 
far. I felt I felt for you, man, because uh, I knew it was your first game, and you know everyone at the back of one three five was just watching your game. And man, when I mm. saw you come off, it looked pretty serious, and I was praying it wasn't going to be. But uh, man, I was feeling for you. Also. Yeah, I remember when um, I did it. I looked up at the clock, and I think it was like thirty seconds to go. And I was thinking, solely, what, that time didn't go faster. <laughs> Would have been off the oh. field, no injuries. <laughs> it's just the way it is sometimes, eh? You just never know. And it's the game. Can't, I was at, at the time, I was angry, and but I just took time to reflect. And it's just, you know, you sign up to play rugby, you're going to get some injuries unexpectedly, and you just got to um, deal with it sometimes, eh? Ray, just with that, that injury, has the lockdown helped your rehab in terms of you could be back sooner as opposed to at the time before COVID it was pretty much a season ending injury is there a chance of you making an appearance towards the back end of the Super Aotearoa? Nah nah this okay. I won't even yeah I'll, I'll be back in time for pre-season <laughs> oh is that right? yeah oh, okay. um, so I did it in March it takes about nine nine months it'll be December I'll come back in so yeah, um, I miss um, Super and Maritain. In um, in the year tours, if they go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. If that happens, I'll pretty much miss that. I'll pretty much make the probably preseason game in Jan, if um if if I get it right. Yeah. Nice. Okay, man. <clears throat> nice. Um, hey, just one more thing, Ray. We've had the guys on some of the previous shows talk about some of the new rules and some of the uh the new laws that have come on board with the with Super Rugby Aotearoa just for yourself as a, as a player how have you seen um, the new laws and the particularly the breakdown laws because I know that as a forward that'll be a, a critical part of your your game yeah um, so today we had our um, review on the game against the Chiefs and I I think um, I think the refs are just got to be more oh, like how I see it is just be more consistent around that area like you watch um, Crusaders and Hurricanes, they're penalising them for some of the same stuff, but it's not consistent each time. And the boys are getting frustrated because it's almost like we got to stop playing what we've um, been taught to play, you know? Like there's a fine line on clearing out a ruck and off your feet and then like you getting tripped over, falling on the ruck and then getting penalised, you know? And it's just um, frustrating for the boys. Um, you can't, really play um, as hard as you want it because you just don't want to get penalised and get um, in trouble from the coach, obviously. Um, but, oh, yeah, it's just frustrating to watch. And I just think there should be a line where, um, like, uh, I think there was a penalty that um, one of the boys got uh, offer. He was showing that he was trying to move out of, like, roll away, but he could, someone's leg was holding him in the ruck. Like, how, how are you supposed to do that? How are you supposed to show the ref that you're, you're trying your hardest to get out of the ruck? And we spoke about that in, in the previous podcast, is yeah. that if someone is genuinely trying to get out of the way yeah. and they're not trying to do a Hollywood and staying yeah. in, the, in, the, in the bottom of the ruck, are they? Yeah. You'd think common sense would prevail from the referee's point of view. Yeah. You, they can see a player, yeah, he might be jarred in between bodies, yeah. and he's trying to make a genuine effort to roll away, yeah. whether to the left or to the right sideline, and yet they can't. And yet the penalty is still gonna yeah. happen because of that. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, it's a shame to see sometimes. Eh? I think it's um, it's important they get it right because 
soon enough we're going to start losing viewers or start getting people to come to the game because the refs are, you know. I'm not begging the refs, I'm just saying show some consistency because we want to see people enjoy the game. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> Good point. Mm. Yeah, I know the crowds have been really, really strong, but you're right. No one wants to go there and, and watch 30 penalties or whatever it has been. Yeah. But that's what it's been. Game. It's been, you know, uh, upwards of 20 mm. penalties of the last couple of weekends with the four games that have been so far. And there's just a lot of whistleblowing at the moment, but in around that ruck area especially. Yeah. But, um, yeah. All right. Nice, nice work, boys. So, um, yeah, so last week we did reviews of both of the games, so I thought that was a good a good template, which we'll follow again. So we'll have a look at that first game, the Blues. Blues up against the Chiefs on Saturday night. So uh, the Blues took that one out 24-12. to 12. Uh, Dan, I'll come to you first, brother, because I know you're. Uh, it's always good to start on a positive with a, a Blues fan. So how did you see that game? Hey, man. <laughs> no bias here. No bias. Uh, that was, uh, <laughs> that was a, a good game. I enjoyed watching that game. Um, one thing I said last week about who would probably win the game is probably going to be um, whoever uh, the most kicks uh, for territory. And um, it actually came true because uh, the Blues got 57% in uh, kicks for territory where um, the Chiefs only got 35%. And um, it, 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 I just felt like it was going to be a hard game for um, for the Blues being away and knowing that the Chiefs lost their first game against the Highlanders by one point so I thought they were going to come out hard and and they did they did in the first half and I um, I reckon that the Blues held off really well in the defence and um, even though we played more in the Blues half, second half came our way I reckon, we kind of like picked it up a bit more, ran the ball well, the Chiefs did but um, I didn't think they could uh, capitalise on our mistakes and just the opportunities to to get a try. Obviously, they didn't score any tries. Hey, hey, Rog, just just out there working on um, but, <laughs> but I reckon I reckon we did well. And um, these the stats last week with the Chiefs and the Highlanders are almost similar to the the stats here with the Chiefs and Blues. The stats favour the Chiefs. We kind of go. Uh, so the meters run. There was four hundred one to the Chiefs, where the Blues ran 292. Kicks from hand, 29 to the Chiefs, 33 to the Blues. Passes, 125 to the Chiefs, 108 Blues. And runs, 130 to the Chiefs, where Blues ran 91 times. Now, to me, those stats read that I reckon that we have got a good defence. And it's um, it's been a long time since I've seen a Blues team with um, strong defence, and that was, uh, that was awesome, awesome to see. Yeah, but all in all, um, congratulations to the Blues. But yeah, that's me. Yeah, nice. A lot, lot of good points in there, particularly about the defence. I agree with that. The Blues defence has been pretty rock solid even before the, the COVID pandemic. So it's a good point. But Roger, I know you're a Chiefs fan. How did you how, how did you see that one? Oh, you know, being a one-eyed Chiefs supporter, but at the same time, I had to look at this game objectively and just had to acknowledge how great... <laughs> the defence was from the Blues, especially in that first 10 minutes. I think that set the tone because the Chiefs had a lot of ball and yet they couldn't break that Blues defence and um, and they were holding out the Chiefs. I just made a few notes while I was watching the game. <laughs> and in that first sort of um, 
it just looked like there were one-off runs, lackluster kicking posi- uh, positioning from the Chiefs. Um, they looked one-dimensional on, on attack. They couldn't really make any set moves, and they were just basically just having a lot of one-off runners. Wainui had a good midfield break, but you know, defense again doesn't matter where what number they were wearing across the park. But Hodgman, Hodgman's ankle tap was was really vital in stopping that Wainui move um, when he was breaking up the the middle there. And so, and then Otere Black, like we've been harping on about, you know, for the last podcast of the counter ruck. Otere Black has always been a star, and he's going, and he was a standout at the back there as well when he had to go to the back and when Bowden was coming forward. Especially in that 10, and that was in the first 10 minutes, the 10 to 20 minute mark, Akira was making a good sort of, he made a good strip off the kickoff. Um, I think it was after, it was a Chiefs kick, oh no, Blues kickoff, Chiefs, Chiefs got the ball, but then Akira makes a massive strip from there. Um, and then Boshia was, uh, yeah, was penalised for off the ruck. And that was one of many penalties that came throughout their game. I think by the 68th minute, there was 20, 20 penalties already given in that game uh, from both Chiefs and the Blues. Right. So at the 68th minute, it was, we were 20 already. Also, there was, uh, I think, Bowden Braddock had really good kicks from position and, and touch in his game management in those critical moments, especially in that 10-20 minute where you know that the Chiefs can be dangerous, but he managed his team right across the park from the from when he was coming into the line and from, from the back as well. And I think that was awesome to have him and Otere Black complement each other in making sure they can give direction to their forwards and to the back line. In the 20 to 30 minute mark, in that, that period of time, there was a strong drive from the Chiefs. But, uh, and then, and that was like, I was thinking, okay, here Did we you go. you turn the channel over because it was over? <laughs> so I was thinking, okay, here we go. We're going to be rolling forward now. But I think they, we struggled at the same time because then when we had a line out, I think we lost the, the line out. And the Blues won that. And there was a couple of moments throughout the game where Chiefs line out, but the Blues were able to force a mistake or try and win that win the line out. So I think they stole three three lineouts throughout the game, I believe. And again, there was a great midfield run from young fella, young lock in the Chiefs to poor, but then he, he would lose the ball. So it was, it was poor execution. Um, so they they showed moments of of brilliance. And at the twenty five minute mark, the Blues had thirty six percent position to the Chiefs' 67% position. But they just couldn't um, convert Ouch. those into points. And that was by by 30 minutes into the game. And that was a telling stat for me because they kept on bringing up how much time. And that, again, like Danny pointed out, it, was, it came back down to that defence. So they set the tone within that first 10 minutes and then they maintained that awesome defence right throughout that first half. Unfortunate for the um, Papali'i yellow card because I, I, I think... You know, one man down, and the Blues were doing really well. And then they showed again, they were able to find some fortitude and come together and continue for 10 minutes without Papali'i and still maintain good defence. So I was really impressed by that. Again, great tackles made by Hoskins. Um, I think Anton Leonard-Brown made a tackle on Rico Ioane. So there was, you know, there were moments of brilliance from all all the players that we expect to do well. And to show some leadership, but there was, again, there was conceded by the Blues. I've got something conceded by the Blues. Handling errors at that stage was Blues had eight and the Chiefs had seven. So there was a lot of um, moving around of the ball. I think the weather conditions as well didn't help. And it sort of brought about a stalemate. But they kept on mentioning as well, going into the second half, how great a contest it was. A real tight 
arm wrestle because it was going either way and teams were trying to make uh, the most of their sort of opportunities in broken play. But due to the weather, they were trying to make everything a bit more contact and that's where you saw guys like Hoskins step up, Akira when he was on as well. So in the 40 to 50 minute mark in that period, I think there was a high, tech, high tackle penalty for Sean Stevenson up against Rico Ioane. Um And also uh, Weber had a great positional kick with Talia, but where he regathered well. But So they were trying to get out of the trouble and Weber was able to do that on, um, a few times. But again, Talia was great under the high ball. I, I believe he did really well. And there were some great runs from a lot of the loose forwards. Jacobson, you had Hoskins, obviously. By the 60-minute mark, the Blues had 46% position and the Chiefs were at 54. But again, I think they were wearing the, the, the Chiefs down so much so that it just caused the onslaught that came in that last 20 minutes, like Danny said, where they decided they were able to make more inroads through Tupolotu, who I believe was a real standout. In that try that Mark Talia scored, Tupolotu, he was involved in that twice, um, carrying the ball forward. But I think, especially throughout that second half, he showed great leadership, great go forward, and I think yeah, he's going to be around for a wee while yet. But like I mentioned, 20 penalties at the 68th minute mark. Um, Caleb Clark, limited to opportunities, but the ones that he did take, he was make, able to make some great inroads and um, good go forward. Finley Christie was a... A great injection for the Blues when he came on. And I think, um, again, like I mentioned with uh, Tupolotu being involved in that try, um, it was off a Finley Christie move. He and, and then Hoskins showing his skill as a Lucy having a skip pass through to Talia, have the having that sound mind to be able to give that because it was almost man for man. But then being able to skip that man, go straight to Talia, he had great vision and Talia was able to come in and finish off as he has been doing pre-COVID. Um, so I think to summarise for me, it was, yep, it was a, it was a real good arm wrestle from both teams. Um, and being a real tight game, the Blues were able to come out on top and it was only a matter, you know, differences in one try. And that was the first time that um, the Blues had won since 2011 in H-Town. So, yeah. And I had to agree with the commentators. Uh, I can't emphasise enough. Multiple times they mentioned that it was a tightly contested arm wrestle. So well done to the Blues. I'm still happy about the effort on the Chiefs. You know, we've got a lot to probably um, take from that. There's a lot of positives. But I think at, this, at the end of the day, from a spectator's point of view, entertaining rugby. I know it can seem dour when there's a lot of stoppages. It's not helping that there's a lot of referee. But um, I, I think they're trying to find their feet as well as referees and at the same time adjust to the new rules and try and adjudicate as best as they can for an entertaining style of rugby that you know New Zealand Aotearoa is renowned for. So, awesome. Thanks, Rog. That's uh, some comprehensive notes that you've got going on, Hills. Come on, come on, come on. Um, <laughs> That's all I've got. That's all I've got. I didn't watch the Crusaders and Hurricanes game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so Ray, what's your thoughts, man? I know you're part of the inner sanctum there. I mean, how how did um, what did the team have to say, and and what was your take on that that first game, Blues Chiefs? I guess um, I don't want about I don't want to talk about uh, the win too much because I know Roger's sitting there heartbreaking <laughs> with all the stats. And- <laughs> hey, enjoy it, enjoy it. <laughs> celebrate it. That was an awesome game. Uh, 
I, I, just the feeling within the group is um, is unreal. Uh, the boys are on a roll, but it's it's positive vibes. It's not we're on top of the world sort of you know. Um, the boys are putting their head down and they're working hard every day um, of the week, and it's just the small things that we're doing. I I think mm-hmm. that um that we that it's getting us the the wins. Our coaches, he's he takes pride in in the little things, which is the you know tackle technique or even just the 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 passing um behind rolling the a forward and just to the ten is uh, he we practice that a lot and we do it in the gym during our gym workouts and and it's paying off because we can just see it in the game. Um, so we take a lot of pride in um, the little things and, and I believe it's working for the team. But um, you guys are talking about defense. Um, Tana's our defense coach and man, he's been just spot on uh, pre-COVID and and the start of this new Super Rugby. So now hats off to the boys that are doing the, the work and they've been working hard on it too. And I think the boys are um, should to pat themselves on the back for um, nailing the little things um, that we've been talking about. Yeah, I think the momentum that we have now um, shouldn't stop and we shouldn't let it get to our heads um, because it's been a it's been a long time since um, the Blues have you know won consecutive games, especially in H Town, and we're just you know proud to do it for our fans. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much because I'm injured and don't want to be the injured guy that's. Jumping on the bad wagon too, so <laughs> I'm just proud of the boys who are doing the mahi and getting the treats, eh? Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I think you guys hit the hit the main points, but the defense is something that really stood out, which you all touched on. The Chiefs are one of the the great teams to watch in their attacking abilities. So for the the Blues to hold them trialless, that just carries on the great defense that they've had basically all year. Even pre-COVID, this was their um, statistically their best defensive effort since um, 2011, the last time the Blues were in the in the um, the playoffs. So, um, you know, Rog, you mentioned that 2011, that was the last time they'd won in Hamilton. Yes. So uh, it's a big effort. You know, the Chiefs are quite hard to beat there. And that was Bodie's, that was his first win in Hamilton ever as well uh, in Super Rugby. So even his time in the Canes, he couldn't get it done, which just goes to show you how hard it is to win. But I went to the game. And the crowd noise was unbelievable. You know, those Waikato um, Chiefs supporters are they're pretty rowdy and pretty noisy. And they got right behind their team. And that was the, the highest crowd they've had since 2006 uh, for a home um, for a, a a round rugby game. So, in the pools, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, the, all of New Zealand is really right behind this competition. So I hope you guys you guys have touched on the penalty counts. If we can, if they can get that under control, then the crowds, I think, will still stay interested. But, yeah, it's just good to see the Blues out, up on top. Uh, so, one so, thing uh, I will say is like, so right. <laughs> I remember when we went to another game down at uh, Hamilton, and you and John were trying to uh, asking for the car keys at half time, and you guys uh, had enough. <laughs> I think that was. Um, yeah, we're not going to talk about that, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long drive back. This is a new time. Yeah, this is a new time for the Blues and a new era. So <laughs> uh, I think you boys have touched on the main points. But one thing I will say, right, it was like you said, Roger, it was pretty close. So. It was 13-12 to the Blues with about 20 minutes to go. And the Blues historically have normally, they've been good for 60 minutes. And then at the end, they sort of they get run down and lose close games late. But this is one thing I've really liked about the Blues, the ability to step up. So 13-12 down with 20 to go, and then they run away with it. And I think they've got a new mentality, a new winning mentality and all the rest of it. And the culture looks really good. So you know, I'm really happy about the Blues. Um Rog, uh, what, what do you think is going on with the Chiefs, man? No tries? Two tries in the first game. So they're, is there, have they got some attacking issues or 
Well, it was sort of, sort of different to the first game that happened at Eden Park. Obviously, the one that Ray was uh, part of there. It was in the second half where the Chiefs sort of ran away with it when they injected Anton Leonard Brown, um, Aaron Cruden as well, walking on water there as like the messiah of the Waikato. But, and he was very graceful in doing so, and then they were able to pull away and, and, and take the win, snatch that win from the Blues because the Blues were up 19-7, I believe, at halftime. Uh, this instance, though, I think with the weather, it sort of it, it nullified a lot of those sharpshooters from out wide, like the Sean Stevensons, McKenzie injecting himself in the back because there were little glimpses where McKenzie, on a dry night, maybe that gap would have opened up a lot, a bit more for him. But the Blues were able again. It's a combination of that, the forwards and the 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 D line being able to read a McKenzie coming into the line or reading the plays that they were trying to um, create behind the game line and then shut him down. At, at the the best opportunity before he was able to make a lot more headway than he did. So I think that was where they shut down not only him, they shut down Aaron Cruden at times. Brad Weber, a, a renowned runner as well of the ball, he wasn't able to make any any inroads either. So Anton Leonard Brown, a, a fighter to the end there as well, but I believe his inside man, I can't remember his name, um, the young midfielder as well, he had he had some great runs as well, but again, it just came down to that def- defense. And obviously, like Ray's mentioned, they've been working on it, and I, I believe all teams right across the board are trying to ensure that their defenses. But then it's just going to be those one percenters, those you know, just tirelessly. It's it's just throwing their bodies at the line and and working together. If if I'm going to do my job, I, I trust that the next guy beside me, left or right, is going to do is going to cover as well. So it's just having that mindset where. You know, regardless of the the names that they know, could probably run run circles around people on any given day. They were able to nullify that, and they set that tone in that first ten minutes. That hey, you can throw everything that you can at us, but we're here to to play and make sure that you're not getting through. And at the end of the day, that's what happened, and the Blues were able to win in great fashion in the end with that beautiful try. Hey Roger, hey Roger, do do you think um, that they also probably? I don't know, maybe lacking in um, leadership up front, uh, especially in the forwards with the you no know, Sam Keynes and you yeah. know you got the Retallick uh, and um, Tyler Ardrock, those older guys. Not not saying bad things about those locks because they played awesome, but you mm-hmm. know I was just wondering maybe a bit of leadership up front there. Yeah, that's true, and obviously they've you know as anyone would know with Ray as well would know that if if they're good enough to play regardless of what age, you know they're in there to do a job and they they've been trusted and trusted that their job from their, their management and their coaches so I think I take a, I take nothing away from those young men for stepping up obviously it's a massive loss to not be able to have your Retallics your Sam Keynes because they're massive in those games and that's where I saw the leadership of of Patrick Tupolotu stand out and able to take leadership make the go forward and then you still got these young guys the Hoskins and Akira Ioane he, he had an awesome game as well his, his, his work rate was really high in that game and so Hopefully it's 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 a, it's a it's a new sort of leaf for Akira, and he can sort of fulfil that potential that we we all know that he's got. And but great competition in the loose forwards um, for um, Leon McDonald and Co to have having a guy like Akira Yuan and not even being able to make the the squad in previous weeks. Nice. Yeah, just on that Akira point, I got my photo taken with Akira, and he is looking flipping fit as man. Oh, what a shock how fit he is looking. So, 
you know, that's the thing with Hoskins the Tutu there, there's that competition for spots, so that they both have to work hard to try and hold the jersey. So I think that's um something to do with the depth. But one thing I will say is like, you know, they talk about Bowden Barrett coming and Dan Carter coming and all these other guys. So you think that they could the blues can carve you up through the backs. But with this rain rainy game, the blues they were able to resort to a plan B and play this forward oriented game and still get the win. So like you said, yeah. two pull or two that carved up. Like, to, to and like you're saying, like them. with the the Retallics and the Sam Canes, I mean they could easily probably inject a guy like a Dan Carter because of who he is. But and there was a lot of talk around Dan Carter coming to the Blues. Same sort of fanfare that was around Bowden Barrett coming to Bowden Barrett, sorry, coming to the Blues as well. But then what I've liked about Liam McDonald, he's sticking with Otere Black because <clears throat> Otere Black, he he didn't really make any mistakes at the beginning pre-COVID. He was he was the one that directed that team before any of the Bowdoin Barretts or the Dan Carters took the field. Obviously, there would be a lot of off-field um, uh, mentorship going on from, from the Bowdoins of the world, but I've really enjoyed and, and liked watching Otero Black just come into his own and not be phased by what's going on outside. Obviously, Ray and his team, they know what happens on the inside, but I've been really impressed by Otero Black. Um, I, I reckon he's uh, got a massive future even still in New Zealand and... And I wish him well. Hopefully, a black jersey not too far away. Mm-hmm. All right, nice boys. Uh, Ray, Dan, do you guys have anything to add on this Blues Chiefs game before we look at this next one? Crusaders and Hurricanes. Good to get the win. He's all good. Yeah, nice. I agree as a fan. Good to get the win. First time in ten years. <laughs> and I was, was one thing I will say that was the fifth consecutive away win for the Blues, which is a new club record. So, um, that's a, it's been a pretty impressive season for the Blues, regardless of, of what happens going forward. Um, so, yeah, we'll move on to the next game, which was the Crusaders uh, versus the Hurricanes. Uh, the Crusaders took it out 39-25 at the Cacton. So uh, I know that's your nick of the woods there, Dance. How, how did you see that one? Oh. Did you see it or were you too drunk? <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> <laughs> no, nah, to be honest, uh, I don't have much to say about this game, but like, I did watch it. It was a bit of a hard watch, uh, to be honest. You know, having no rugby, been starved of rugby, you know, you kind of like want to watch these kind of games, but it was a hard watch. I don't know. I actually thought the Hurricanes could have won this game in some in some ways, but the the Crusaders had the upper hand, of course. The Hurricanes are still having troubles in their lineouts, but in saying that, the Crusaders also had um, a few lineouts against them and uh, having their own ball. But um. Um, just going through the stats here, the territory was like 50-50. Uh, the Hurricanes had 54% of possession, where the Crusaders had 46. Um, uh, meters run, Crusaders with a favoured there. I think I think the, it was the Crusaders of the old, you know, like they were running a good game and um, defensive-wise, their line was pretty pretty off the, um, you know, coming up fast, their defensive line. And I kind of thought that, um, I don't know, Sometimes I, I feel like the Hurricanes are sometimes out of out of position when they're on defense, like especially for the backs, and like you also you got um, I don't know either outside back not there or who should be there or the or the centers, and I reckon that um, yeah I, I just I just some some games I've seen I've seen like uh, an odd player not 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 supposed to be by the ruck he should be out in the back defending or or cover cover defend, but. And saying that, um, yeah, it's un- unlucky for the Hurricanes. They could, and, and another thing I noticed was um, they 
they didn't go for um, any penalty kicks, and they were quite far out, probably 40, 40 metres out. There's two two in particular ones because I was their first penalty they got it was on the side, and I thought they were going to take the points, knowing that, that this competition you know is all about points. But they they kicked the line, they kicked for the line. Um, but it just made me think: uh, uh, Does Garden Bishop not have that that distance in his kicking, and then maybe uh, missing Geordie Barrett for that because he he can kick those long kicks? So that could be. Um, I think for them to, to win some games is to kick, kick all their p- penalties, especially when they fire out like that. But there was there was a, a kind of obvious one that was kind of like in the front, but it was about 40, 43 metres out. And I honestly thought they were going to kick it, but they, they actually kicked for the line. So, But yeah, other than that, it was a good win to the Crusaders. Good to see them back running, running amok. Nice. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about those kicks because they've had line-out issues, so you'd think they'll definitely try and, you know, shoot the three points instead of kicking for the line and trusting their lineouts. But uh, how about you, Ray? Um, just as a player, how did you did you catch that Crusaders-Hurricanes uh, match? Yeah, yeah, I did. Quite frustrating to watch, eh? Just the same thing with the penalty counts and unnecessary uh, whistleblowers. But it's like the Canes still trying to find their feet with the game again and just frustrating to watch the some of the lineouts. I just thought the Canes have the potential and um, they just couldn't find it. Uh, I think they left it in um, COVID somewhere, but uh, I, th- I think they're a pretty talented team and, and they're still trying to find their feet. Crusaders, on the other hand, they took off where they left it, really. Uh, no doubt they're a good side and skillful, but they, uh, I've noticed that they like to take risks and just chuck their ball around, eh? And, and it's working for them heaps. Yeah. So, now nah, the Crusaders always bring down their top game and good to see one of the boys, David Harvey, back from uh, um, one of his injuries and, um, and carve it up. But like I said, man, it was yeah, quite frustrating to, to watch. I, I think I didn't finish the game. I had to look after the kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned about Harvili because uh, Will Jordan was man of the match, but they've got to fit Harvili in there somewhere. He, when he came on, he was a real difference maker. So that's a, that's a good point there. But um, Ray, I wanted to get your thoughts on they had Dane Coles against Cody Taylor there. So, you know, a position that you're familiar with. Uh, what's it like playing against those guys and and do you, who do you see as being the better of the two? Is there one uh, that you look at and think this guy's the, the standout? Sorry to put you on the spot, but, you know, just from a <laughs> perspective. I think I've played against Cody a few times, um, and he's one of my good mates. We sort of played um, uh, New Zealand 17s together and um, throughout the age grades. But, yeah, he's he's real dynamic. And also, Dane Coles, I, I, I don't think I've played against I think I've played against him once. Um, and he's um, he's real niggly on the field, eh? and he, he likes that old school play. He's always niggly. And you guys saw it against when he was playing against his mate, um, <laughs> Burden. Um, he was, you know, <laughs> late tackles and all that. And, that. and that's him, man. And that's the way he plays. And I think um, yeah. I get more frustrated playing against hookers like that, where they're always niggly. And um, yeah, Cody plays a, a different game, and he's quite fast and um, agile around the field. But I, I, I hate to play against Dan Coles, eh? Because um, he'll just fr- frustrate me, and he's quite um, lippy on the field too. But yeah, off the field, he's he's the man. Eh? Um, I also like to oh. learn like little things off off those guys. So um, after the game, they'll you know we're all mates again and try and talk about the game, um, have have a few laughs. But yeah, if I play th- against them, cause I just get uh, try not to get frustrated and just smile at him. <laughs> try not to show that weak side. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Have you played uh, against um, 
Asafo Almoa and, and what, what is, what's your take on him? Yeah. He's, he's there next. Yeah, yeah, I played against him twice, I think. Um, I played against him when I was playing for Harbour. Uh, he was quite young coming through the grades and I didn't really know him at the time. But then we played against him this year, um, pre-season game, and it was held at Takapuna. And yeah, he's a he's very he's the next big thing, eh? And I think um, we were packing down the scrum against each other, and um, we said uh, I said a joke to him. It's good that he laughed because if he didn't laugh, I would have been like, oh, "This guy's serious, man." <laughs> <laughs> I think I dropped one of those. Uh, oh, it's not in. It's not, you're not the only one that's eating around here, mate. And he cracked up, and he got the joke. So, so it was good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but nah, he's um yeah he's quick. He's Good ball runner, tackler. He's strong. I just think he's um good future for um, New Zealand rugby and for the near next generation coming through. Oh, nice. It's always good to get some insight from the what's going on on the field and stuff. <clears throat> but uh, Rog, uh, did you um, did you catch that game? And what are, what are your thoughts on that Crusaders Canes? Unfortunately, I was in between night shifts, so I only had time to watch the the Blues Chiefs replay on Prime. I don't have Sky, so that was the only game that I was able to watch. Sorry, fellas. But um, I think I was hoping for the Hurricanes to sort of make amends from last week. Uh, Just because you can see there's some great players in there. And again, you can't take that away from any of the super teams in New Zealand. There's massive squads, great, great teams and uh, individuals as well. So you look at the Adi Savers coming back into the Canes and you're just hoping that that um, outfit can sort of push on and, and get some results. But um wasn't meant to be the juggernaut that is. The Crusaders obviously prevailed and, and the scoreline speaks for itself. Again, I didn't watch the game because despite the scoreline, it, it, it could have very well still been a, a tight contest. But by all accounts, it seems like it was a frustrating watch from a spectator's point of view. Could it have gone both ways? I'm not too sure, but that's what I get from what I've heard from Ray and Dan. It just seems like the Crusaders, regardless of where they are on the field, Ray said, similar to Waitamata and uh, the Chiefs, they can just throw the ball around and make something or nothing. <laughs> but uh, speaking of on-field frustrations, I do remember having the privilege of playing with Ray for North Harbour B way back in 2000 and something, 12, I believe it was. And yeah. Against the Tanifa Bees, Ray, there was uh, one hooker out there at Siosi Horse. Yeah, <laughs> he was getting in your he was getting in your ear, my man, and I think uh, you put you put him you made him quiet after that. So he was just he was just really verbal. So she's a good friend as well, but uh, yeah, man, I was like, suddenly I thought you were a Christian. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, it's like. Yeah, it was a different side of horse that I hadn't seen in a wee while, but nah, it was always good laughs on the field. But Ray, Ray, put him, put him to sleep in many ways. Oh, seriously, man, it's always good playing against that fellow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he's yeah. got the mouth on him, but off field, man, he's such a humble dude. Eh? Yeah, yeah, he's good. That's why I was like, holy heck, what's going on yeah. here, horse? Maybe he was up in Tanifa. He's been up in Whangarei too long. <laughs> There's a lot of players like that, eh? Um, they have a switch where they turn into a different beast and then come off the field. Oh, how's it going, mate? I suddenly, you were like that on the field, buddy. <laughs> oh, just the game, just the game. <laughs> nah, nah, she's just a good man. Yeah. yeah I think you guys um, hit, hit the main points. Um, I thought Will Jordan, he was, I touched on that before, he was he was outstanding. Um, it was similar to the, the Blues um, Chiefs game in that it was close up until the last sort of 15, 
15 odd minutes, 20 minutes where the one team started to pull away and that was the Crusaders like they always do. So it was 25 all with 15 minutes to go. And then the Crusaders stepped up to another gear like they do and and they sort of ran away with it at the end. So then the scoreline sort of flattered them a, a bit more. But, you know, they, they mentioned themselves the adjustments, which you guys have touched on before, to the new laws. Um, they watched the games and they thought they could adjust on the fly, but it's not until you go out there and play that you realise how, how much of a change it is into these new uh, breakdown laws. So they'll be better for the run, which is probably a scary thing, scary thing to uh, think from the Crusader side. But, um, yeah, that was a good. Well, it wasn't a good game, actually. It was a boring game, but the Crusaders <laughs> got to win like they do. Um, and they showed their pedigree, which which they have their championship pedigree. So, um, have you guys got anything more to add on the game before we do some previews? I just want to ask um, Ray. Ray, just what what what, what do you think is going wrong with um, the um, the lineouts down in the Hurricanes being a hooker and that? Because um, I noticed, you know, Dan Coles he throws good at, in, in the All Blacks jersey, but man, just lately, I, I don't know if it's communication and or, or training or whatever, but some of those balls went past the players, eh? and it was just like, wow. Yeah, um, I've I've played at the Cape Town before, and it's not it's not a great. Um, uh, stadium to throw in because that that wind just blows everywhere. I don't know if it was the wind yeah. or lack of communication, but um, if you're, I don't want to bag the Hurricanes boys, but if you're missing three or more lineouts, then something's definitely wrong, or there's a calling system that you're not getting right. So, uh, you know, I I don't know what's going on there, but um, I just think the they're not you know getting their connection right or. Um, it could be anything, you know, and until you're in the circle. And um, um, so when when you're blame, blaming the hooker, then yeah, you know, then that's the lineout caller's fault. And, and mm. with that, eh, that you touched on there, Ray, it's easy to blame the hooker because yeah. they're the ones throwing the ball in. And I think from a grassroots perspective, and then the higher you go up in the in the system playing rugby, um, you'll fast learn that it's not just a hooker, it's all yep. about communication, like you say, because it's real easy for the hooker to be the scapegoat, but if they're not jumping where they're supposed to be or or the pods are not lifting where they're meant to be lifting and in time with the with the throw, yeah, the hooker will always look like they're the ones to blame. And But, yeah, it's hopefully it's just a communication thing and they get it right eventually because, mate, those guys, they, that's their bread and butter, especially in the line-out. That's right, yeah. The, um, it's good because uh, nowadays there's a lot of technology with camera angles and you know, you've got different um, angles on the on the line-outs when it comes review time. Mm. And uh, it's easy to spot out whether you've missed the lift or missed the jump or you've overthrown it. So I guess at the end of the day, when you come when it comes review time, just be ready for the coach to be like, Sully, <laughs> you mm. know? Um, so, nah, just, yeah, on that point, I, I, I just don't know what's going on there. It's either the Cacton or or the boys are just missing their, um, not doing their job. Mm. Nice. Nice. So great insight there, boys. The uh, Hurricanes, they need to get their line out sorted because they lost six against the Blues the week before. So they've got some serious, serious issues there. So, um, yeah, if they want to be... A contender or anything in this competition that's a the set piece is a critical part of that but uh yeah we'll look forward to the games coming up this weekend so on saturday night the blues we're playing the highlanders uh eden park so danzo i'll get your thoughts mate saying you're a blues guy how, how do you see <laughs> how are you seeing this one 
Oh, that's a no-brainer. I'm definitely going for my heart here again. Uh, going for the Blues. Um, but, yeah, I, I reckon the Blues will take it out. Um, it'll probably also be another kicking game. I'm, I'm feeling that the, the, the competition now is, is going to be territorial uh, kicking game, eh? So, because you, what you said last um, week um, with the uh, positional play in their, in their halves, it's it's better to play in their halves and, and, and get a get a penal, penalised there than it is in your half. So, I, I reckon that these games are important. And um, yeah, yeah, I just think um, we, yeah, we're going to win that game. Easy. Nice. <laughs> Roger, Roger, what's your, your thoughts on the upcoming game? We'll get a prediction out of you as well. Who are the Blues got this week? Sorry, I missed it. Sorry, the Blues got the Highlanders oh, at Eden oh. Park on Saturday night. Oh, nice, nice. Just going on from what Danny was saying, the positional kicking, and from what I saw with Otero Black and um, Bowden Barrett, their kicking was so much uh, more superior than that of Aaron Cruden and um, Damien McKenzie on the weekend. And I'm not sure whether that was just because of the again the wet weather that was, um, but that hampered both teams. But they, Bowden was just able to make the kicks a bit longer. There were the odd kicks that were good from the Chiefs, but they they had a more superior kicking game. And so I think like what Danny's saying this week, that's probably if it's wet weather, then it'll be a similar game, trying to kick it long, plug the corners, and trying to get their teams into a better position down in the opposition uh, half. But uh, again, from what I saw, that loose forward trio, um, I'm not sure if um, Blake Gibson's back this week, but Akira, hopefully he keeps his spot with um, Hoskins um, coming off the back there. Just, I think that's really exciting for me because whether the, the scrum is when it's within 40 the 40 metre um, area in opposition territory, Hoskins coming off the back and then you got Akira to maybe offload to or take the next run up. Um, that's where they get a lot of go-forward momentum. But then Patrick Tupolotto has been really exciting as well for me, watching him come into his own and, and do really well. And I think he's making a, a point while um, Retallica's out, like the, hey, I can be your man too. So I really like that with Patrick. He's got that enforcer um, such a bottom, an old sort of Brad Thorne, but at the same time a real tactical mindset as well in terms of a leader and taking on their captaincy really well. And I'm really enjoying watching Patrick come um, as far as he has, especially with um, previous years. Um, but he, he's really doing awesome and he's a real standout for me. But then surrounded by all these young, enthusiastic players that he's got in his team at his disposal, um, I think the Blues are going to put a... yeah have a real good charge at, at taking another win. Highlanders, though, again, I'd never discount the Highlanders. I think the Highlanders have got a lot to prove, and uh, I think they're going to be coming up to Auckland. Um, there's no no easy beats or walkover, but uh, they'll be giving it to the Blues just as hard, and I think they've got a lot of personnel there who are wanting to sort of make a statement that, hey, they're here to play just as much as anyone else. Uh, blues to win by 10. Oh, nice. Oh, oh, good on you! I don't think you've ever said blues to win on the podcast before, Rich. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm learning to um, separate the heart and the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. How about you, Ray? I know that like, you can't really reveal too much because uh, you don't want to give the secrets away. But um, nah, do it, do it, Ray. Do it, do it. Game, blues Highlanders. <laughs> yeah, I just hope the boys um, carry on um, from the last two weeks. Definitely back in the 
the Blues boys to win. Even though I was been, I've been down at the Highlanders. Looks different. Uh, looks young. I was there when all the old heads were there, and um, it's, it's, yeah, definitely looks uh, different from from watching. So it uh, looks like um, Aaron Smith is doing a good job leading leading the boys around. Ford Pack. It's quite young. Still got Colty there, and also um, Ash Dixon to lead the boys up front. Still got uh, some experience at the back with uh, Tom Robertson there and also um, Bryn, Bryn Gatlin and Mitch, Mitch Hunt leading leading um, the 10s. So they still got a, a bit of experience there, but uh, I don't I don't think they have the experience that the Blues have, so <laughs> I'm, de- I'm backing the boys um, all the way. Um, looking forward to Aaron Smith and the young Sam Knock um, go head to head. Yes. Um, oh, if, um, I don't know if the, who's starting um, yet, but hopefully um, Sammy gets another go. Uh, like Sammy's been good, even pre-lockdown, he's been finding his feet, and um, he's getting he's getting that combination right with um, Otsi, and um, they just look good. Eh? They're not doing anything fancy. Simple is best, man, and that's what the boys are doing. Um, Otsi and um, and um, Sock. So I hope the boys bring it home. I hope they beat them too because, yeah, they're my old team and, you know, it's like when you come from old team, you always want them to lose. <laughs> yeah, uh, some good insight there. I think, um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. The experience and the leaders, I think, could be a critical factor. So I also think the Blues are going to win. But I just wanted to get your thoughts, Ray. What's the um, the strategy in terms of rest and rotation and that sort of stuff? Do you just play your best team every week or do you chop and change? Because I know, like, pre-COVID, there was always this rest and sort of give the squad a go but with only an eight game sort of sprint i wonder if there's a yeah. change in change in mentality and that sort of side of things yeah it's only 10 10 weeks of a day and mm. i think you know if it's not broken don't change anything so i think we're just well they haven't picked the team yet but i think they're gonna stick with the same group that's been doing the job every week so yeah and last week when they picked the team i think they only changed one of the boys because he got injured during training so the, yeah, it's been pretty consistent, and so there's a lot of healthy competition in the group. It's hard to pick to start because man, the boys are just carving up their training, and just you know, it's making it hard on the coaches. And when you got that sort of competition going, man, you can just see the results on the field. So I'm just um yeah glad to see the boys working hard off the field and then putting a good show on on the field. And that was uh, was that Robinson that was oh, the last minute uh, change last week. Right. Nah, he um he did his knee um during the first game, um I oh, believe, yeah. and uh, yeah. it was uh oh no, they both got injured in the game, which was Blake and, Gibson and Robert. Was the other yeah, one. yeah, he did his um hamstring, and um Tom did his knee. So, um, that opened up the doors for the boys that have been training hard, and mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Kira, when once he got the opportunity, you just saw it, man. He just. Let, let it rip man and yeah. and you're right about his con- conditioning because he's been doing you know the work off feet that no one doesn't see and um i've seen that guy grind you know when he's not at training he does the little extras and it's paying off and i'm you know, pretty proud of him hey uh ray just from the outside uh, perspective from a spectator's <laughs> point of view when you see a, a talent like a nakita climbing the ranks and you sort of like get frustrated because he's so talented yet um, is it some of his mannerisms or his behaviours that can sort of maybe it be the the reason why he's not picked or affects his game 
and to be you know to f- pretty much fulfill that potential that he can uh, because of the ability and the talent that he sort of oozes. Yeah. Um, I think for a professional athlete, um, you everyone sees the the successful things you you have and you do, mm. but they don't see what's going on behind the scenes. And yep. I think if you go, oh, you, I don't know if you guys listen to Adi Savia's um, podcast where he jumped on and he talked about um, what he was going through. Um, yeah, he was going through some some pretty bad stuff off field and mm. I think that affected his, his game. Um, and for him to be vulnerable and open up about that, um, you know, it just shows a lot um, for, for for him and his um, character, and you know, in um, for for a rugby player, you you don't want to show any weakness to the public, or because you're you know you have a status, and um, for Akira to um, come out and show what he was going through um, really helped the other boys to you know it's okay to speak out, and um, for him to go through what he did. Um, and then bounce back what, like he did, and mm. and it just shows his um his character. Which so, um, I don't know what he was going through, um, you know, in detail, but I just know that um there was a few things that he was um going through, and um yeah, yeah. And I think that's where it's hard to separate because from a spectator's point of view, yeah. all they see is the rugby player. Yeah. They don't see the human behind the man. They don't see the person behind the backstory, the family issues, the you know, and what's going on inside the heart and the head yep. outside of rugby because we see a game, we've got our rugby teams that we idolise and we look at our players. Now, the professionals, they should be able to perform day in, day out, week in, week out. Yep. So I think that's where it's really hard to separate the player and the person from a, play, uh, from a spectator's point of view, but uh, and I appreciate that insight. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, it's big, man, you know. Mm. When you go through some things at home um, and then you know, don't get selected. It takes a toll on your um, mental, your mental health, and um, I think it's important for the spectators to understand that we we are humans too, Absolutely. and um, you know we do go, go through some things. And it's rugby is only just a small part of our lives, and you know there's, it's sometimes there's um, more to life than just rugby. So, um, like they say, we're just entertainers <laughs> for the for the spectators, but it's also it's a, it's part of our life too. So, I just big ups to AK for what he's done, and I'm pretty proud of um, how he's come back. Awesome, nice, yeah. Um, I'm glad, like you, you mentioned that that Ray, because it is important. People don't really see what's going on behind the scenes, which is why I'm sort of happy that you came on the podcast as well, because like you say, people just see you on on the Saturdays and they don't know what you get up to so it's, it's a bit of a way of humanizing people and say hey look these are actually you know real people because i also listen to adi savia's podcast and oh it's such an insight you know you sort of just think of them as you know oh they're professionals they can just handle whatever knockbacks come their way and being criticized in the media and all the rest of it but i think you know if that was me and i was in that position there's no way i could have that level of mental fortitude to deal with what you guys deal with on a you know on, on a daily basis so it's, it's good to see get that sort of you know, fly on the wall type view of, of you know, the the life of, of, of a pro rugby player. So. I think it's also uh, the idea that um, if a team is not getting results, like say the Warriors, for example, or even when the Blues had some tough times, it's like the spectators, again, are, are easy to jump on that wagon and say, do they not train? Do they not learn the basics and that? But there's hard work being put in from all teams 
But not every team's going to be able to win a game. There's going to be a draw. There's going to be a loss. Um, not every team's going to win a championship. So, yep, I get it from a pers- uh, spectator point of view. We can harp on till the cows come home about your team. And uh, I know the Blues have had some skinny years in terms of not having a championship way- from way back in 2003. But on a serious note, it doesn't mean that these teams are not training. They're not, not, not putting in the hard yards. We don't see that. We only see the Saturday. We only see game day, but we don't see the effort and the hard work and the slog that these players are putting in week in, week out to try and keep and, and, and um, honour their contracts by trying to keep those contracts and, and, and you know make a living out of that. So, nah, interesting. Awesome, awesome insight. Thanks, Ray. Speaking on mental health, I just want to jump on um, to speak about that of my um, sort of experience during this um, injury, I, I did go through a phase um, after that I found out I did, a, I did my knee. I sort of um, went into a dark place and, 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 you know, I was thinking like, oh, this is this is it. Like, I'm done with rugby. I, I told my wife this and, uh, and what made it worse was lockdown happened. And then I couldn't train. I couldn't, um, you know, connect with uh, the, the brothers or see a physio at the time. And it was quite frustrating on myself and, and it was not healthy for, for me. And then I, you know, I turned to something else, which was eating and, and then like didn't want to train and then feel like, oh man, my rugby career is over. You know, once lockdown was over, I was able to open up to um, someone that I trusted. And then, um, you know, I felt a little bit better about myself and then started going into the team more and then started seeing the physio and then finding my feet again, which I'm going through now. And, you know, injuries is another big thing in a rugby person because, you know, you just, if you have a big injury like mine, you just don't know where it's going to lead to. And I'm just trying to stay positive for my two boys and also my, my, my wife and my family. But just uh, if you if you are going, if you're listening to this and you're going through that, that phase and you're, uh, you're, you want to be a professional player, honestly, just talk to someone you trust and don't be afraid to fail because, you know, when you do hit that light at the end of the tunnel that's when you know that that's where you feel good about it so don't give up on whatever whatever you're going through it doesn't have to be rugby career-wise just please talk to someone don't go into your little box and try and hide all those emotions because it when you do bottle up man it can it can burst and, and it's not it's not healthy for yourself and your family so yeah i think it's really important what you said there ray because uh, and you mentioned about akira because he didn't want to um, give the perception to the public that he was weak yep. by not speaking out and it's a really common um, issue, um, especially among men, PI, Māori, men in general, is that a show of weakness is to cry or to speak to someone, to confide in someone. It, it's a massive show of strength to be able to do that courage to step out and speak to someone because reaching out and asking for help is a sense of, is, yeah, that could still fail, but at least you're, you're, you're making an attempt at it rather than quitting because quitting, you're not going to fail. You're just going to stop and not persevere. And uh, when you've got good support around you, management, friends, family, your teammates, it uh, makes it the journey a lot more bearable and still hard. It's not going to be easy, but yep. bearable and together you can get through it. So yeah, that's awesome. Nice, nice. Good cheering, guys. Um, I, I saw, um, I think it was the Oceans Apart series where they had been a tinga. He came on there and he went through some very similar things to what you were talking about there, Ray. So, you know, it's sort of, um, I suppose from the outside looking in, it's just shocking how who can be affected, you know, those types of mental um, issues that people go through. It's, you know, it's non-discriminant. Anyone can be hit. So you, you look at a rugby player and think, oh, this guy's on top of the world and all the rest of it. But you never know what's going on internally with them. So, you know, 
appreciate those those words, boys. Oh, sweet. Well, if we have got anything to add on that game, we'll move on to our um, our next game, which is the Crusaders and the Chiefs. The Hurricanes got a bye this week, so Crusaders playing the Chiefs in Christchurch on um, on Sunday. So, Roger, I know that's your team, brother. Um, Chiefs, Ali, how, how are you seeing this one? So, despite losing the their first couple of games in Super Rugby Aotearoa, I still have faith that the the Chiefs they've they've got the players they've got the personnel. I think they're able to. I think the duo will win, but at the same time, it's not going to be a walk in the park with Crusaders down in, in uh, Christchurch because we're seeing what they can do even when they're off, and the Crusaders um, are a tough beast to sort of tame. But I believe that uh, the Chiefs, hopefully, on my heart, saying that they can do it, they can bring it if they. Um, able to find the form that they had pre-COVID and even um, work on and take advantage of the glimpses that they've shown even despite the couple of losses this 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 side of COVID um, I think we could get a real good result but um, that'll mean everything has to be on point, their kicking game to the injection of coming into the line their defence is going to be be crucial because the same way the Blues were able to um, hold out the Chiefs, didn't matter what the Chiefs were firing at the Blues, and then got them to a point where the Chiefs then, they were getting frustrated that they couldn't even make set moves, they were just having to just try and plug, plug, plug one-off runners and that's when you can sense that there was that sense of frustration amongst uh, the the offence, but hopefully they can learn from that and then bring that to the Crusaders, but like I say, it's not going to be any sort of um, easy feat for them to be able to try and achieve, get that win. But hopefully they can do it. The dual win. Um, with the losses, they've still been able to play entertaining rugby. But I think, like what Ray was saying, just try and simplify it even more. And um, hopefully against the Crusaders, they can um, come away with a W. Hopefully, but the Crusaders, on the other hand, uh, they're going to have... Other plans, and I know in front of a home crowd, um, again, wanting to do well for their fans, start of rugby, and that, that community have, have gone through a lot as well in recent years, and so um, they'll be hoping to put in a good turnout, and I'm sure there's going to be a good crowd as well. So bring on Saturday. I'm going to say it. Nice. Crusaders by five. <laughs> oh, man, I could hear the, I heard the pain that's, in your voice. That's, that's my head. That's my head. Talking. Oh, no. man, if I said what my heart was saying, exclusive. I'd say Chiefs by 20, but I'm saying my head is saying Crusaders by five. Danny, yeah. Oh, what? Ouch. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> it'll still be an entertaining game though it'll still be an entertaining game yeah Dan so what are your thoughts mate Crusaders Chiefs yeah man this, this is going to be I reckon this is going to be the game of the week eh? um, um, I reckon um, I've got <laughs> there's going to be a good good tussle man up the front because you've got some young guys up there especially in the Crusaders side you know with the Cullen Grace and the Black Adders but you also got some young guys in the, in the Chiefs squad, with the Akoi and Va'ai, and I think they're going to shine in this game. Depending if Sam Kane's come back, I reckon they, they'll have the upper hand up here in the Fords. Um, it is going to be a real crucial game in defence for, for the Chiefs, man. And um, 
There were uh, two losses this week, and they were both home home games that losses. And I think this is the Crusaders going to be the first um, loss for um, at their home. Ooh, I like I'm going to go then. for the Chiefs. I like it then. Chiefs by six, and um, I reckon that if we if we, we get the outside backs, uh, oh, sorry, not we, but if the Chiefs get the outside backs right, <laughs> Too late. they, they could insert Alai Malo in there somewhere, maybe for Stevenson or something. I think we will be will be set. They'll be set in the, in the centres as well, defensive-wise. I truly believe these guys have got something, something to show, man. They've had two losses. Uh, the first game, both games they could have won. And um, I reckon, I reckon they're going to come out firing. They've gone back to the drawing board this week, and um, I reckon they're ready to fire up. And then this is going to be the Crusaders' first home loss. Amen. <laughs> I like, I like. What about you, Ray? How are you seeing this one, Crusaders Chiefs? Oh, it's, yeah, I'll back Danny. I think the Chiefs will come out firing. <laughs> How do you feel, Rog? <laughs> I feel good. I feel, I feel my heart's being comforted right now. Nah, um, I, yeah, I think um, after uh, two losses, they'll be firing to amp to, to get a win, especially with um, Gatlin barking in the air. I think they got something to prove, and also beating the Crusaders is a, a good feeling. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they'll be amped to try and bowl them over. Saying that, Crusaders will, will bring their A game because they're at home. It's so, and it's it's pretty hard to beat Crusaders at home, eh? But I think the Chiefs will um, have a lot of motivation to to come in and do the job. But yeah, I'll be backing the Chiefs on this one by ten. Oof. Ooh. See, the reason oh, why I shared the Crusaders, I, I wanted to balance it out. I wanted <laughs> someone to say Crusaders win, and then my two counterpart guests here have said Chiefs to win. So, yeah, it balances out. Thank you. It'll be a good competition for the um, for you know for this competition anyway, so for, for the Chiefs to come out and win. So everyone doesn't like Crusaders winning all the time, so please, Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> Even on a bad day, the Crusaders will just win. How <laughs> they do that? But yeah, they just got an awesome nursery of talent down there. Yeah, the Crusaders at home always tough to beat, but I think the Chiefs' record mm. in recent times is actually not too bad against the against the Crusaders. So in a way, they're sort of the bogey team. Um, but the Chiefs, you're right, they've lost two in a row and they've backed themselves into a corner where they have to win. There's no excuses if they lose. They that's it. I don't think they can. They can come back from three straight losses to open the season. So I think that desperation counts for a lot. And yeah, just because they're the bogey team, I think that the Chiefs will also win. So, Rog, you support us the only one he Yeah. Oh, nice voice. Oh, I've got a good mix no, no. of. No, I really want the Chiefs to win so I can um, <laughs> see uh, Roger's face next week. <laughs> oh, cheers, Danny. Cheers. <laughs> nice. I think it was nice last boys. year right, where, boys, um, um, oh, sorry, bro. I think it was last year the Chiefs didn't have a good start and then um, they managed to come. I think they, did they make quarters? I, don't, I think they just missed out, but I think they lost three in a row and then they managed to find their feet. I think that's a bit what's going on now and I think they'll find their feet and, um, and play some good rugby, hopefully um, soon because the competition's almost over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they need to find it something. And yeah, I agree. This week, this week's going to be their week. Because even though the Chiefs, even if they don't win this competition, the way they're looking at it is this in preparation for next year because it's not deemed a decent, uh, a proper Super Rugby. So that's why they're just testing out their uh, their players for next year. But hey, 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 you never know. 
good week, boys. We've got some good predictions there. Um, well, we're just about to wrap up now, boys. If we haven't got anything to add on that game, so um, we'll just go around the table. We'll just add some some final words and some final thoughts, um, just on the weekend and, and just rugby in general. Just what you guys want to say before we start to um, our wrap. Dan, I'll come to you. Come to you first, brother. Any final words? Oh yeah, I just hope that um, yeah the refs get it get it get it a bit consistent as Ray said this week, uh, especially during the Crusaders Chiefs game. Man, that's going to be a game to watch, and um, hopefully the ref doesn't ruin it and um, you know kill the momentum for either team. Um, but yeah, uh, the Blues are going to kick some uh, Highlander ass. I'm sorry to say, but um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Roch, I just want to know if um, your Peter Sorkula is going to show up this game. Hey, don't worry about him, mate. He'll be there. He'll be there. I think it's because he wasn't wearing his headgear. He wasn't wearing his headgear, so he'll be he'll be right. I think uh, Peter Gasso Kula will show some good signs. But hey, be interesting to see because they've already been earmarked him, even Hoskins, about uh, making themselves available for Fiji. I thought that was an interesting sort of article that came out last week about them being approached, even just to see. Just because their fathers had played for Fiji and and whether they'd be available for um, the national side, but at the same time you think about a guy like Hoskins, the potential that he's got, and and whether the NZRU are in talks with him and and being eligible for New Zealand, especially with that New Zealand A, the New Zealand the All Black Fifteen, it'll be interesting to see where a lot of these guys sort of give allegiance to and whether they do follow their fathers or. Stay in the system and and try and go for the black jersey. But Hoskins had an awesome game on the weekend. I, I expect nothing short of another great performance this week against the Highlanders. But um, yeah, it should be a good weekend of rugby. I w- wonder which one they're going to be showing on Prime on Sunday, whichever one it is. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'll have to look somewhere to, to watch the game. Hopefully it's just the blues game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about you, Ray? You've got some just some final final words, just word in closing before we wrap up the pod. Um, the bandwagon is uh, almost full, so uh, if you got your tickets, uh, jump on board, boys. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Um, now, nah, good luck to all the teams out there. Um, and just all the club rugby that's back on, man. Um, that's awesome to see. That's where it all starts. And and if you're if you're uh, able to go play some club rugby, go play some club rugby, light it up, and it's good to see rugby back. And just everyone that's worked hard over the the uh, lockdown, you know, thank you to you guys because we'll be able to do our job again and to put on a show for the for the crowd and for everyone that's got along and bought tickets. You know, you got that's big. That's big for us um, rugby players and to see everyone get involved. Um, it's awesome. So now thank you to everyone that's been involved, and um, yeah, to the refs. I know you guys are trying to do your job, but <laughs> let, let the boys play. Let the boys play. Here, here. Good call. Nice, boys. All right. If that's us, uh, if no one's got anything else to add, I'll just say, um, you know, thanks to uh, all the listeners for joining us today on another edition of um, the Counteract Podcast. Um, like I said earlier, we'll, oh, yeah, you all got something to add? Dance? Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, sorry. Just a shout out to Adam Thompson again, if you're listening. Yes. Hey, it was great to see him come on for the Chiefs. I, I, when yep, I saw them, that's right. I saw him come on for the Chiefs. I was going, whoa, my man on the Chiefs. And I was going, talking to my son, son Adam Thompson. And he's going, oh, who's that old man on the field? Hey, 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 hey. 
Tussen mij is toch good enough to play for the Chiefs, former Black. Adam Thompson. Sorry, and then he got penalized. And then he got penalized. I was like, oh, okay. We'll make a mention of the podcast. Sorry, Adam. Don't get penalized for the chase, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but shout out to Adam. Shout out to Adam. He's listening. Good to see him trucking around. Still. Yeah, shout out to Adam. He's a, he's, a, he's a listener, regular listener to the pod. So thanks for following us there. There, um, there Adam. But yeah, and thanks again to all our listeners for joining us uh, for the podcast. So, yep, uh, just keep an eye out for us. We're available on all the... Um, you know, the usual podcast platforms. Uh, we have a website as well, which I've talked about on uh, other editions. So check us out. It's been up for a while, but it's www.wesweznet.com. And uh, the counter is also available on Twitter and Facebook. So you can uh, feel free to engage with us there. But just um, in closing, I wanted to acknowledge the Blues. The Blues wore uh, black armbands to honour uh, Constable Hunt that was shot and killed out West Auckland ways, out our ways. Um, a few days ago, not far from you know the area that we're all from, um, he was a hardcore Blues fan, and he went to their opening game at Eden Park, and he also had tickets for um, this weekend's Blues Highlanders game. So I just wanted to mention that as he served out West Auckland, we're all we're all from, and uh, you know he's a rugby man like all of us here. So that really um, hit home, and you know just rest in peace to um, Constable. Um, thank you for your service and. I uh, just want to thank the boys for being part of the podcast today. You know, Ray, Roger, Dance, Cam's on the fact checker. You know, thanks, boys, and appreciate your guys' uh, rugby knowledge. Thanks, boys. Cheers. Just say you sound good, Sober. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, at least I think it's just Red Bull that you've been drinking. <laughs> nah, nah. I was going to say, Sully. Are you going out tonight or something? <laughs> <laughs> normally, normally, forty minutes into a podcast, you man, start was, slurring, mate. You start slurring. Falling asleep, man. I was... <laughs>